Hi, I'm Tori Thrush, Career and College Readiness Consultant for Sharm ISD's Career Tech Ed Department, and this is the Career Tech Effect. Lots of times when we talk about Career Tech Ed or even college and career readiness, we often like to say students, staff, and parents don't know what they don't know. And with this podcast, we're hoping to keep enlightening our communities about these great stories and opportunities. Uh, in today's episode, you'll meet Jim Rummer, Director of Career and Technical Education for Sharm ISD. Jim, thanks for joining today. Hey, thanks, Tori. Thanks for having me. I've been really excited and looking forward to having this podcast time with you. Awesome. So first question we wanted to throw out is just, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what, uh, what you do as a CTE director? Sure. So my professional background started back as a math and science teacher in the sixth grade at Petoskey Middle School. That's where I first cut my teeth as a school teacher. Loved every bit of it. I loved the classroom time and teaching. I uh, had always, though, aspired to be a uh, and so the opportunity came forward where I was able to go up to the high school as the vice principal and served in that role for the next six years. And at Petoskey High School, we had, at that time, 10 CTE programs. So I was able to work closely with those CTE teachers and oversee some of the program that took place there. Yeah. From there, Sharm ISD um, had a K-12 principal opening for one of their special education programs. I was able to go over there and serve as a principal uh, for just a little bit under two years. And at that time, that's when their career tech ed director opening came about. And the superintendent asked me if that was something I had interest in, which I had always had some interest in that position because of uh, my background at Petoskey High School serving, you know, our CT programs and a little background prior to me going into education. I worked for 18 summers in my dad's masonry business. And so I did that through, all through high school and then did it in the summers when I was a school teacher. So I've always had an interest in the trades. And so it just made sense for me to explore that a little further through this career tech ed director position. So in that position, we're a little different um, and we'll get into that I'm sure a little later in the podcast, we don't have a center. So I'm mm-hmm. not on site. We're at uh, Boyne City office here, our yeah. ISDS two offices, but we're in a consortium model. And so our CT programs are out at the local schools. And so, I have oversight of those programs. I'd like to think that we, myself and our team, big on the team part, um, we have a great CTE team here at Sharm, serve as conduit between our local school districts and MDE, Michigan Department of Ed. Mm-hmm. I apologize if I speak with a lot of acronyms, you know that as educators, we do a lot of that. So Absolutely. I'll try to make sure I, I break that down. So with the Michigan Department of Ed and OCTE, which is the Office of Career Technical Education and so just really out there to help support those programs that take place across our ISD and make sure that we have the very best programming for our young students that we can possibly have. Yeah, I would say I'm a little biased, but I do think we have a lot of great programs, unique programs to our area. And, um, and we do have a great team that, that services a lot of our students um, in our local area with um, just a lot of great opportunities. Um, so you mentioned, you know, career technical education for those folks that maybe just don't know what that is. What does that entail? What is what is career and technical education? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question. It's funny. It depends on who you ask. Uh, career technical education, CTE is AKA formerly known as vocational education. Mm-hmm. So you think of your trades, your typical classes that you'll see in high schools or career tech ed centers, your construction technology, your mm-hmm. electrical programs you know, your welding, auto body, automotive. Um, so certainly that's what a lot of people think about. And many ISDs, that's when career tech ed, as we call it, starts mm-hmm. with juniors and seniors um, within their schools. But at Sharm ISD, we look at it very differently. 
Uh, first of all, we think about things in terms of career and college readiness mm -hmm. and in that order. And I'm very uh, careful to say it in that order. We really think careers first and certainly college can be part of that. But we look at it in a K-12 model and we have programming that starts as early as kindergarten and goes all the way through their senior years. And so we look at um, certainly all the different camps that we offer. We have mm -hmm. vehicle days, so all these different events that we take out to the local schools to get those elementary age kids that whole awareness, get them yeah. excited about what's next out there. And then we go right into the middle school and we talk about that exploration piece now, right? And so we have these career days and, you know, we have um, visitations where we take kids out to different job sites or out to different colleges. And so they're learning more about those different kinds of programs, not to mention our CTE programs that are offered across our ISD at the different local programs. And then from there, we really get into that preparation piece yeah. at the high school level. And that is when we get into the high school CTE programs and, and all the things that come with that. And so I'm very proud that at our ISD, we have made that an emphasis that it is truly a K-12 model. And I think that's very unique um, as when you look across our state at local districts and other ISDs. So Yeah. And our, our department actually just was able to add on a new position that covers a lot of that K-12, as you're saying, uh, with our new K-8 um, CTE STEM consultant and what he's doing with the Sharam Street STEM trailer. So again, to your point, I think we really do cover that K-12 very nicely. And it's different than just your typical high school um, related CTE programs. Yeah, you bring up another good point, Tori. And I know you'll be doing a separate interview with Brandon and the whole yeah. K-8 stem trailer and that was really a, a great idea that you brought to our ISD and, and our department back in the day and, and that is another program that I can't wait for our viewers and listeners to hear more about because there's nothing like that happening in the state of Michigan and it's so fun to be part of that. Absolutely. So you spoke a little bit to this that we're not a typical CTE center um, and that we operate out of a consortium. Can you speak a little bit more to that and how our programs are kind of modeled and how those operate? I would love to. So when you look across the state of Michigan, there's 56 ISDs and certainly there's CTE programming that takes place at local districts in isolation. And then there's many ISDs that provide it through their centers. At our ISD, there have been some CTE programs or I'm gonna go back and say they're vocational programs back in the day because in mm -hmm. so many years back I would go, that were at the local schools. And back prior to 1996, there had been multiple attempts at passing a millage. Um, for our ISD. And there was talk about having one center or having two centers, a North Center and a South Center. And the voters were very clear that that wasn't something they wanted to support. They didn't want to put money into brick and mortar because mm -hmm. they felt like that brick and mortar already existed within our school districts that we have. Sure. And we live in such a beautiful area and it really is. But part of the beauty is the lakes that we have here. And we have these big lakes called Walloon Lake and Lake Charlevoix, which are natural barriers and obstacles when you want commute around them. Mm -hmm. Then we have that lake called Lake Michigan, and we have a school district 25 miles on Lake Michigan on Beaver Island. And so for us to be able to be in a, a model or have a model that has a center, transportation would be just unbearable. It would, it would really be hard to pull off. And so that's when those voters said, listen, we're interested in a consortium model. We can get behind that. And in 1996, we passed our first millage, and that's exactly what happened as a consortium model was created and, and the, the programs that were already in place at those local districts, the few local districts then totally expanded across all 11 
districts in our ISD. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm proud to say we have over 50 CT programs now across those 11 districts. And then kids can either take those programs in their own high school or due to the proximity of high school to high school, mm -hmm. they can go between high schools. And we have a really cool interactive map that shows all of our programs in, in a little radius of how many miles they are between. So in some centers, kids might have to travel an hour each way to, to take a class. And for us, they might take it under their own roof or have to travel just 10 miles down the road. But what's so neat about that in my mind is a lot of these classes are treated like elective classes. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes at a center, and this is no slam to our friends out there that have centers because they do amazing things as you know that. But at a center, you have to be really focused in, and believe that that is the program that I want to go into because you're sacrificing travel time yep. to, to go to, to a center like that. Where us, being under our own high school roofs or in schools next door, um, they truly are treated as electives oftentimes. And what I love about that is two things. Sometimes kids go into those classes thinking, yeah, this is something I have interest in and I think it's something I really wanna do for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. and, and that does happen for a lot of kids. It just throws fuel to the fire and it just expands from there. But for others, they go into it thinking, yeah, this is something that I really think I want to do. And then they get into it and it is absolutely the opposite of what they thought they wanted to do. And to me, there was very little risk in that. Yep. And that's a win just as much as a win for the kid that went into it, thought it was great. Or we have kids that take it because it's a, it's an elective class and they have to fill their schedule and they really didn't have any interest in it. And then they get in it and it totally mind, it changes their whole mindset. And they do a 180 and all of a sudden get, they fall in love with this program. Absolutely. And so I just love the way we do it. And because of that, 80% um, of our students, 80% of the students who graduate in all of our um, local districts take at least one CTE class before they graduate, which is super That's impressive. That's one of the highest numbers you'll find across the state of Michigan. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, as you mentioned, that K-12 model, we have a lot of those camps that you spoke of, those CTE camps that help um, with some of that, that interest level of whether it's our welding or line worker or some of the other ones that we're starting to add, we find that kids start taking those and even three days with those camps and those instructors, they get hooked and they want to come back for more. And so again, just boosting that number and, and continuing to have those kids um, access those programs at an earlier age is, is just really impressive. Well, what'd you say earlier? Didn't you say kids and parents don't know what they don't know? And Absolutely. I mean, this just ties right into that. Absolutely. Um, and you kind of mentioned already that we have, uh, 50 programs that are currently operating and and obviously some of those are in duplication because of the way that we're set up across our 11 districts but um, what are some of those examples and we can certainly include a link in the in the description here but um, I know we've had a lot of really cool programs lately come out and um, maybe just give our, our listeners a taste of kind of what we have to offer and what students can partake in. Sure Tori yeah we have 50 programs across our ISD and as Tori mentioned a number of them are in duplication. And what that means is, I'll use automotive as, as an example. We have an automotive program up in Petoskey, which is considered one of our Northern districts in our ISD. And I don't think I mentioned that our, our ISD is in two and a half counties. It's Emmett, Charlevoix, and part of Antrim counties. And so it's about 1,100 square miles. <clears throat> and I mentioned the yeah. district out in Lake Michigan <clears throat> and Beaver Island. And so we, we do have a North uh, Automotive in Petoskey and we have one down East Jordan. We have five construction uh, trades programs. We also have um, we have culinary arts. We have TV film production. We've got a power sports that we just started up in Pelston, which is 
basically I call small engines on steroids. Yeah. I mean, kids are wrenching on side-by-sides and snowmobiles. And, and actually, they just started a program down in Central Lake that's mirroring the program up in Pelston. We also have aviation, which is one of the very few aviation programs in the state of Michigan held up at Pelston Airport. I mean, yeah. kids are walking in, smelling jet fuel and hearing, walk, you know, hearing the jets come in and out, seeing it. It's such a great experience. And then also we have, um, I don't know if I mentioned the welding programs we have. Uh, we started a line worker program. We have kids 30 to 40 feet up in the air on power poles. Yeah, three days a week, right? Three days a week. Those kids are at the gate every morning at 8 a.m. waiting for the instructors to open the gates because they're chomping at the bits to get up on those poles. And so we have a wide variety. And I, I always run the risk of when you start to name programs of leaving some out. And I mentioned we have 50 of them. So there's certainly lots of others that um, I haven't mentioned. And it doesn't mean that they're not anywhere yeah. uh, near as important because they are all very important. But uh, like you mentioned, if you go to our website, you can see all of these programs. And we have videos that our TV film production class actually produced. Yeah. Uh, 90 second clips on all of these. And I really high, highly encourage our uh, viewers to go give those a look. Yeah, absolutely. And again, some of those innovative programs, we've uh, we've actually started, I think, one of the first drone programs uh, when it comes to CTE in the state of Michigan. Um, and that's not that's not happening a lot of anywhere else. And that's beyond just aviation. That's kids going out and learning how to pilot drones and getting their um, their pilot's license, if, if I'm not uh, mistaken, correct? I'm so glad you brought that one up. That is yeah, we were one of the very first in the state we've been pushing for years uh, with MDE. I mentioned, you yeah. know, I'm on acronyms again, where they would allow us to create a, a state certified CT program uh, in the area of drones. They weren't ready for it. So mm -hmm. we said, you know what, there's more than two ways to do things. And so it was operated as a standalone elective class up in Harbor Springs. And Rob LaPointe, the instructor up there is doing such amazing things. And, and Michigan is way behind uh, the eight ball, if you will, when you talk about drone uh, or unmanned aerial vehicle technologies. Um, there's so many applications in the real world. Uh, and Rob is exposing his students to all those different things, working with local yeah. excavators and, and uh, construction companies and doing all these different things with the drones and the LIDAR and, and all the different software pieces that he has. It's just impressive. And then adding the whole ROV piece, the underwater Absolutely. robots, if you will. And then we have to put a plug in for Northwest Michigan College. They've been so great to Absolutely. us. One of the only uh, post-secondary institutions in the country that does anything with ROVs and UAVs. And our students are leaving right from there or leaving right from our high school program, oftentimes going down there. And, and you mentioned, yeah, they're going down there with the 107. That's a commercial pilot's license in their pocket right out of high school yep. and their uh, safety certificate. And those are the two first things you need to get hired. And then they're going down there and um, these kids, that future is so bright for them. And oftentimes, I think when we talk with our, uh, our friends over at NMC, they're getting picked up before they even get to finish the programs with, you know, $90,000, you know, signing bonuses for these jobs that are going out into, uh, you know, Indonesia or wherever they're going and, you know, getting to sip coffee and, and, uh, and look at dolphins as they wake <laughs> up. So uh, lots of really cool, um, as Jim mentioned, CT programs that we have, and we continue to grow those. Um, so any of our, our listeners, whether they're parents, grandparents, community members that have kids, or even some of our students, what would they do next if they have interest in joining one of these programs or getting involved? Yeah, that's a great question. First of all, I would go to our website. And if you go to um, the Charm Intermediate uh, School District website, there's actually, we have so much content, our career tech ed department, because we continue to grow. 
we have our own standalone website that you can access from there. And I'm sure Tori can plug in our actual web address right into uh, this podcast. But I would start with that. You know, there's all those videos that showcase all of our programs. And I would like to hope and believe that all the things that we're doing from kindergarten all the way up is educating the kids and certainly the parents, getting back to the, you don't know what you don't know. But beyond that, you certainly, uh, for any of those parents out there, encourage your young people uh, to go talk to their school counselors, their principals, because not only are there the programs under their roofs of their high schools, but as I mentioned earlier, there's programs at their neighboring districts that might have more of interest to them. And they certainly have access to all of those. And so um, that would be a big thing that I would encourage them to do. Yeah. I don't know if anything you'd add to that, Tori. But. No, I think I think you hit the, the nail on the head. I think we have a lot of those great 90 second videos that do a really nice job, I think, promoting and showing kids the small taste of what they get to experience in those classes. And I know our counselors and, and other teachers do a nice job of showing those off um, to kids at a younger and younger age. So hopefully that it's starting to trickle up and those kids will get a chance to, to be able to uh, take those. But I would definitely start there. Um, and one thing that uh, you kind of mentioned earlier, Jim, that I wanted to go back to is uh, we actually just passed a millage not too long ago. Um, and, and this millage, we actually added 0.25 mils. Um, so I wanted, uh, wanted to ask you if you could fill us in a little bit about what the millage does for our programs and what does that additional 0.25 mils do for our students, our schools, and our programs? I'd love to. Yeah, I mentioned earlier how our voters passed their first millage back in 1996. And not to get way into the details, I'm not going to bore you with those details, but there's a thing called Proposal A. It was, it was passed in 1994. And so what that meant is any ISD uh, in the state of Michigan that had a millage prior to 1994, they were chartered. They would never have to go to the voters and they could have more than one mill, okay? Mm -hmm. And so there's some ISDs with multiple mills. So when we passed ours in 1996, we were capped at under one mill. And when we went to the voters originally, we went for 0.75 mills. And we're very fortunate and blessed to have voters and community members who value what it is that we do for our young people and have supported that millage since 1996. Every four years, we go back to the voters and they've been super, super um, supportive. We passed with usually about a 65 to 70% voter approval rating, which is unheard of. Um, but with those millage dollars, we flow the majority of those dollars right back to our local districts. And first of all, I want to talk about equipment. Our students are in front of the most state-of-the-art uh, recognized equipment by business and industry and post-secondary. Yeah. First and foremost, safe equipment. Right. So, yeah. you know, we want them in front of the most safe equipment. I mean, to think that we have table saws and we've had these for over 20 years now that you can stick a hot dog and fully, you know, it's fully... Uh, in motion and not even scratch a hot dog. Well, yeah. you know, so it's so great to know that our kids are in front of that kind of safe equipment. But between beyond the safety piece, but certainly like I mentioned, what business and industry and post-secondary is going to recognize. So when our kids leave high school, there's no shock to them as to what the next steps of using equipment. So yeah. that gets expensive as you can imagine. So we're very fortunate to have a millage that supports things like that. The other thing is there's money's there to support the further education of our teachers, we always hope that our teachers are lifelong learners themselves. Sure. And so they can go on and take professional development trainings and things like that to help uh, progress in their fields. There's also monies that are there, we call it support services, but typically those monies 
um, most districts use them for is for counselors. Yeah. Um, and so without those dollars, and I can tell you that years, um, not that many years ago when school districts were making budget cuts, uh, we were able, those districts were able to hold on to school counselors because of that millage money that was flowed to them. And then the bit, other big area would be, uh, it's called technology and maintenance and um, connectivity. And that's basically all the servers and all the, the tech director pieces that go into supporting our uh, school systems, not just the CTE programs, but our K-12 system. So, so all the teachers, all the students benefit from this right from the get-go yeah. and, and supporting all that and then connecting our kids to the outside world. Now you asked or made mention of in, in addition to our millage, we had always had it capped at point, it was, we were capped at one mil, but we had always just asked for the 0.75 mils. Mm -hmm. And so we sent a survey out to our community uh, in this region. We had a company do this for us and asked if we were to go for an additional 0.25 mils so that would get us up to our full mil cap, yep. what would you, um, how would you support that? What would you like those monies put towards? Sure. And it was very clear that they wanted, first of all, it was very clear that they would support it. The company that did this survey, over 80% of the people would support an addition to our millage, which they said that is just unheard of, right? Yeah. But the areas they really wanted to see was school to work. Um, and you can speak to that, Tori, that's yeah. your expertise. But the whole school to work piece, getting kids out at these job sites and just making them aware of all the different careers that are out there outside their high schools. And then transportation. Mm -hmm. Back when we first passed our first millage in 1996, it was illegal to use um, CTE or vocational funds through a millage for transportation. Mm -hmm. Since that took place, uh, that has since changed and it is now legal. And so we were able to take that 0.25 mills and now school districts can offset the cost, whether they provide the transportation via buses or if students are providing that transportation themselves to go to other neighboring districts, mm -hmm. those kids can be reimbursed or their families by those local districts. And so that's a huge that's obstacle huge. once again, especially as you know, the price of yeah. gas and things like that, that's, that's a real obstacle for kids. And so we're very happy to have that. Many thanks to all of our voters out there continue to support what we do. Absolutely. And we actually have um, some opportunities coming up with um, that co-op and that school to work where we'll have some uh, partnerships with uh, JMG and Michigan Works where we'll have some kids being able to get out and, and participate in a lot of those work experiences and get that hands-on training with our own local companies that are willing to bring those kids on and make those connections. And um, so I know we're just, we continue to be excited about that and lots of great things happening in the realm of uh, of CTE and, and career and college readiness. Um, again, we talked about, you know, having 50 programs and, and some would probably think that, you know, that's enough. We, we don't need any more, <laughs> but um, we continue to, to uh, you know, think about new and innovative things that are coming, coming down the pipeline, but also things that are just high demand, high wage, high skilled. Um, so what are some programs that you might like to see um, for students to get added um, for them to be able to take in high school? Yeah, so you mentioned the 50 programs, and you're right, our ISDs, you know, we're always pushing the envelope. We want to continue to make kids aware of those opportunities that are out there when they leave high school. And I have never in my career found a more rich time for young people. That light has never been so bright out in front of them when they leave high school in terms of opportunity. Yeah. And there's some things that we'll probably talk about what's creating this opportunity, right? But some things that I feel like we still need to do, and some of our local ISDs, around us are doing uh, and doing some great things with, but HVAC plumbing. I mean, yeah. if you need to go have your furnace work done or something like that, think of 
the demand that our local, the demand we have in our community and then the supply, if you will, the, the number of folks that can provide that service, they are begging for our kids. Yeah, absolutely. You think of electrical, so your, your electricians, whether it be residential or commercial, Another big area that I get excited about thinking is IT, but more specifically cybersecurity. Tell me one thing that you do. Tell me a day that goes by that you don't have something in your personal or professional life that's not cybersecurity yeah. related. Um, and there's another area. I have a friend that owns a uh, home theater system. Uh, they, they install home theaters and um, yeah. homes around the area. And that is a, such a growing need, especially up in this area, this resort sure. community. And so there's a program down the road at Wexford, Masaki. It's it's networking and then electrical engineering and kids get so excited about that. And there's such a demand. So that's something I'd like to see. Um, certainly auto body. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had, I hit a deer, I don't know how many months ago, but they're talking, it was going to be potentially six months to get my vehicle in. I mean, yep. And it's, it's demand. It's the workforce demand that they have. Uh, heavy equipment's another one, big growing area. And we need to address those needs. And this is one um, that we don't have in this area. And it's something that we are going to need forever. You can only automate so many things, but cosmetology. Yeah. We all need haircuts, right? Yep. And and so the cosmetology piece, and I know there's a lot more than haircuts with cosmetology. Sure. But, um, and then there's two that I really see, and this is kind of pushing that envelope. And we have a district that's interested in, in, in both of these areas. And to my knowledge, no one in the state of Michigan is doing anything with either of these, but it really meets the demand of our community and, and our region and our region is different than other regions in the state sure. of Michigan. And that's okay. But uh, two areas uh, would be taxidermy and gunsmithing. Yeah. And we know that we have kids that would get super excited about both of those careers and the aging workforce. Once again, in both of those areas is it, growing and there's no one that's going to take, yeah. you know, who's going to fill their shoes. The old George Jones song. This is so true. And, and such a, demand area so we'll see where we can go the state of michigan doesn't recognize either one of those programs currently and right. so once again we're kind of pushing, pushing that knocking on those yeah. doors down in lansing yeah absolutely well those i mean those are all great programs we've talked a lot about those and again some would maybe think that we we've got enough we don't need to expand anymore but we uh, as you said we like to push the envelope and continue to to put great opportunities in front of our kids and um uh, again those high demand high wage and, and it is going to look a little bit different uh, depending on the area, but us in Northern Michigan, we know that we have, you know, a, a large group of, of hunters and, um, you know, gun enthusiasts and, and those types of folks that um, it's going to be, it's going to be a need there. So um, again, you talked a little bit about the millage, all these great programs. Um, what does the forecast look like for these students coming out of high school? What's next for them? Yeah. And, and I want to buffer what I'm about to tell you. When I, when I start to throw some statistics at you, it's not, some might look at it and look at it as a bad thing or a fearful thing, right? And for me, I think it's totally the glass is half full and it just it is just shows all this opportunity that I've mentioned earlier for our young people. But as an example, in 2020 in our United States, there was 6.7 million job openings, yet only 6.4 million people fill these jobs. In the next decade, they figure 37 and a half million baby boomers are going to go out the door to retirement. Yeah. And yet there's only 21 million people to fill those jobs right now in the state of Michigan. And I think this is probably nationwide. The average work age is 52. I'm in that category, right? Mm -hmm. There's many more of us that are going out the door. If you go to, um, it's the uh, Pure Michigan Talent website. Right now, there's over 100,000 jobs posted. They've been posted this way for years. Yeah. They, they can't fill all these jobs. And then unique to our region, 
Um, what's interesting is our ISD, and we're not unlike anyone else, I guess I would say, when you look at school population, but over the last 20 years, we're 4,000 less students K-12 than we were 20 years ago. Yeah. So we have less of a pipeline. It's a smaller pipeline. It's a mighty pipeline, but yeah. it's, you know what I mean by that. And, and so when you look at our region, our region continues to grow. The population's growing, but it's an aging population. So right now, if you looked at ages 50 and above, in our region, it's about 50, they make up 50% of our population. Yep. Yet that age 20 to 49, that working age, yep. and those are also usually the folks that are having families, right? They only make 30% of our population. So there's two things working against each other, which is creating this bigger demand for a workforce. So some may look at it in a negative way, but to me, once again, I just think it's so rich with opportunity. And, and just one last thing, I throw a couple of, um, interesting stats. And so when we think about starting CTE programs, we look at this kind of stuff, obviously, you yep. know, we're not going to start a program. There's not a need, but yeah, we mentioned that aviation program we have up in Pelston in the next 20 years worldwide, there's going to be a need for 600,000 pilots. It's over half a million pilots, yep. 600,000 mechanics and over 900,000 cabin crew. Wow. And so you think of what we're doing to help uh, address those needs. And then another thing I think about our line worker program, and in 2020, in the state of Michigan alone, in the energy sector, so that's very broad, yeah. there's over 50% of the current energy sector employees at that time were eligible to retire. Now, that doesn't mean they're all going to retire at that sure. time, but it's, it's, it's coming. Yeah. And so once again, looking at how our line worker program and just all of our different CT programs are meeting that high demand yeah. and high need. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when we think of that aging population too, we have a number of health occupation programs that are teaching those kids um, kind of the basics or the intros to, um, you know, nursing or, or could be CNAs or whatever it might be. So getting them to the point where those older, that older generation is going to need someone to take care of them. So we're, you know, again, those have been programs that have been around for a while, but it's, it's that need, there's the demand um, and certainly high wage within that. Yeah, I'm at that age. I, I worry about that. This stuff that keeps me up at night is I, I'm in that category now, right? I'm in, in my in, in my yeah. 50s. And yeah, you think about healthcare in our region when we are this growing population. I just shared 50% yeah. of our population is over age 50. Um, healthcare is going to be a huge demand in this area. It is already, and it's going to get worse. Absolutely. I think I just shared with you, I, I called to get my daughter an eye appointment uh, six months out. That's yeah. to going right now, six months for an eye appointment. That's crazy to think about. So... So yeah, I, I guess we'll we'll finish with one last question. Lots of great opportunities out there for our students. Um, you know, I like to think that in our department, we do a nice job between our staff and, and even sharing information out that we give students all options, whether it's military, four-year trade, whatever it might be, we're giving them options about what's available to them. Um, but can you speak a little bit about that kind of return on investment when it comes to maybe kids that go right from our trades or our CT programs uh, versus maybe going into a university or a two-year college. I love that term, return on investment. It truly is that. You know, um, I think about, and I want to preface this, what I'm about to say here, because I am, uh, this is not an anti-college thing, because I am yeah. all in support of our post-secondary institutions. And you know, we partner with so many of them. But far, and this is my opinion, so I'm not trying to represent anyone when I say this, but in my opinion, for far too long, especially in the state of Michigan, uh, there was this huge push to every student had to go to college. Mm -hmm. And we all have examples and we know people have probably far more than we care to in terms of 
went off to college and they either went for a year and it wasn't their thing, came back, or they went for four or five years. Because right now it's typically a bachelor's degree, you know, pushing on five years. They get this degree and either the degree isn't employable or um, they end up finding out that they end up in a a place of employment and a type of job that doesn't even connect with their their degree uh, attainment. Yet they have a thing typically called, not all, but most, this this college debt that goes mm-hmm. with them, where I once again believe earlier the better, and I don't think it can ever be too early to get kids excited about different careers and give them all those things we talked about, the awareness, exploration, and preparation, but to get them steered down the right tracks, so number one, they do pick the right career field and pathway, so if they go the college route, it's, it's money well spent, but then for some of our kids to go right into the, the workforce and or go to a uh, go into a one-year certificate program or a two-year associates program mm-hmm. at our community colleges and trade schools. That's where so many jobs are right now. Really great paying jobs, low investment on the front end. And I, I always use this one example. It's a great one. And uh, our line worker program, we have had students that have gone right into the line worker field of work right out of high school. Yeah. And I think of one, and I know he wouldn't mind me sharing his name because we've we've talked about this before, but TJ, one of our very successful kids went to our line worker program. So think about, you know, two different students. One student goes away for five years of school at $25,000 a year. You know, you're talking $125,000 that went out the door, whether mom and dad paid for it, they had to take a loan at 6% interest, either way. Or we take a guy like TJ who goes right in the workforce and let's say conservatively that he made um, $50,000 a year for the next five years. That's $250,000 to the good that that young person just made. Yet you have someone else who just went backwards 125000 So you can do the math. Uh, and then you still have all those years to work in front of you to try and catch up to the other, the other person, if you will. Um, TJ is doing very, very well, as you know. Yeah. As a 19-year-old, of course, he goes, he wants to, to get his own home. And what's the first thing a bank asks you? They want to look at your debt to income ratio, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he's still at home, so he has very little debt. He went right into the workforce. Sure. He's making very good wages as a line worker. And the bank authorized him uh, a loan for $300,000 as a 19-year-old. That's, I mean, that's you talk about return yeah. on investment. And uh, so, once again, I, I think there's a variety of ways young people can pursue, pursue those careers that are out there. But um, our, our trades and our CTE programs have never looked as bright as they do today. Never. It's, yeah. I've just never seen anything like it. Well, and I think back to, again, that K-12 model that we, we talked about earlier and truly getting kids all the information that hopefully they would need to make those decisions earlier on so they don't get to a point where they're taking a year and then deciding, oh, that's not for me or, uh, you know, I want to go a different route because, like you said, I mean, that, that investment of you're going backwards, potentially $125,000 and then that payment's going to come up and that's, you know, as we've talked about, that's no longer, you know, the, the size of a car payment, that's almost a house payment for a lot of these kids and they still need a house, they need a car, they need all this other stuff. And so um, really, again, just showing the kids the options, but really that return on investment is huge. Um, well, Jim, I just wanted to say it's been a pleasure talking with you today. I appreciate uh, you taking some time to give us a little bit more information about CTE and how kids can take advantage of all the programs that we have as well as all of our different opportunities uh, available to them, not only during high school, but even, even before that. So thanks again for taking some time. Thanks, Tori. It's been an absolute pleasure.